2: Hi, I'm Hafsa, and welcome to the Mind Pretty Soul podcast, where I get to talk about that which gives you peace of mind, keeps you looking pretty, and the things that make your soul sing with incredible women that inspire me. This is the final episode of the year, which is insane to say the least, because... It feels like the year has gone by pretty quickly, but at the same time, it's dragged. Um, So yeah, I'm a little bit confused. But anyway, if you're subscribed to the newsletter, you'd probably have read the latest email in which I talk about how 2021 was a year of massive losses for me. There was one after the other, after the other, after the other. And... Basically, I would pretty much tell everybody that I knew, my loved ones, that it was one of the worst years of my life, pretty much. But in the spirit of accountability and reflection, I think I've come to realize that when you're hitting rock bottom, the only way that you can go basically is up. And so it's pretty much pushed me to finally pursue something that I've been thinking about for years, which is beauty school. I've been going to beauty school for a while now. So I'm training to become a facialist. And although I've essentially been in the beauty industry for pretty much 10 years now this is one side of the industry that i don't have much exposure to sure i've worked with some of the most incredible aestheticians and facialists but there's only so much of that when you're in marketing some of you listening will have already been with me since the days of my blog muslima beauty which i launched 10 years ago i was a university student who was obsessed with beauty at the time and in my hunger to get my teeth stuck into the industry i found blogging to be my way in Soon after launching I was nominated for awards from the likes of Marie Claire, Cosmopolitan and I even won an award from Procter and Gamble. It was definitely something that opened a lot of doors for me which was pretty cool considering how young I was. I had the privilege of attending great events. I worked with some of my favorite brands. I had access to the world's most renowned beauty professionals like celebrity hairstylists and makeup artists. But most importantly, blogging allowed me to transition into my marketing career. I've since worked for brands including Moulton Brown, Yves Lom, Kevin O'Quan, and Aveda. One of my career highlights for sure has to be when I first got my job at Aveda and the Estee Lauder company's all of the brands are in the same building so whether it's tom ford bobby brown or mac it's all in one building and there is literally the most heavenly of heavenly staff shops so you basically get everything you can Discounted at an insane oh my gosh you can't even think of the the price that you'd get a Tom Ford perfume for by the way honestly I I miss it but I just remember being so obsessed with all of the brands growing up and finally being in that office it felt really affirming for me over the years however that initial zeal I had for marketing in the beauty industry has pretty much waned quite a bit I often have people wondering if my work is really glamorous and don't get me wrong my career has definitely taken me to some incredible places. These moments are basically few and far between, to be honest. The reality is that it's very fast-paced and therefore incredibly stressful at times. And if you're not passionate about something anymore, then the stress oftentimes doesn't feel warranted. And if you've listened to the episode I recorded with stress expert Heather Thatcher last year, you'll know the health implications of being under constant stress. And if I want to put my health at risk, it basically needs to be for something that I'm incredibly passionate about. (laughs) I'm joking, but... Anyway, I love working in the beauty industry, to be honest with you, and that absolutely has not changed. Working in this industry is inspiring on so many levels. For as long as women have wanted to look good, there's always been a hairdresser, a makeup artist, a beauty therapist or whatever else. Not to mention the transformative powers of makeup and skin and everything else so both physically and in terms of confidence a little bit of hair makeup and glowing skin can do wonders for someone someone who understands this very well is Deja Ayodele a highly respected skin health specialist with over a decade of experience in understanding and treating skin health She's a champion and advocate for providing the tools for people of colour to be educated on their unique skincare needs, whilst pushing the beauty industry forward in its requirements to serve this sector. She's also the founder of the two-time aesthetic award-winning and Vogue Beauty finalist, Black Skin Directory, founded in 2018 as a means to better connect people of colour to professional skincare in all of its facets. Deja also writes a column for Glamour magazine and her work as an educator and authority in diversity is pretty much seen in lead panel talks with the likes of. Of the House of Commons, Stylist Live and the Financial Times and Refinery29. If that's not enough, Deidre has her own clinic, Westroom Aesthetics, and she's just released an incredible book called Black Skin, The Definitive Skincare Guide, which investigates and celebrates the journey of black beauty through a historical and cultural lens. But it's also your ultimate practical and myth-busting companion in learning how to care for black skin. Deidre and I go way back and we reminisce on those days in the episode, as well as talking about everything from her career highlights to the importance of finding a properly qualified professional for injectable like lip filler it's a super insightful episode for everyone whether you're an everyday person just into skincare or you're a seasoned veteran in the beauty game happy listening we
1: connected how many years ago now I think like almost 10 years ago and yeah through blogging and honestly I feel like it's been so incredible seeing your journey and it's been so inspiring seeing how you've gone from wh- where you first started to now like doing the book and having a clinic yeah. and things
0: and honestly it's been an incredible journey for you I bet yeah. No, we have known each other a very long time. I think I, I, I think I even did a treatment for you once when I was doing mobile work.
2: You did.
0: Um, I came over to your flat. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, that's like well over ten years ago. Um, yeah, so yeah, yeah. We've been knowing ourselves a long time. <laughs> a long
1: time. I remember when you did the facials, and I remember like. I at the time I had really bad kind of acne prone skin and I just Mm -hmm. remember like blasting it with everything like salicylic acid benzoyl peroxide glycolic you told me off and you were like be simple with your skin you don't need to do all of this stuff have Uh to just calm down
0: and that's actually stayed
1: with me since
0: no I mean that is something I've always believed in simplicity is best I think in those days as well blogging was such a big part of our lives and so therefore experimenting with different products and trying out different products was always a thing as well. And, and I guess that's probably why I didn't stay blogging for that long because I was just like, I've only got one face. I've only yeah. got one skin. I can't put that much on. But yeah, it's it's yeah, it's, it's been a journey.
2: It has.
1: And you know, speaking of blogging, the amount of products I would be sent and being expected to try them out i mean it was a privilege because at that time i was a student so i had no business buying like expensive products so i had no money Mm -hmm. but i would get to try them out but then i realized yeah yeah, if you're trying so many things out you're naturally not being consistent with a routine and also you could you're basically a guinea pig so you could have an adverse reaction to anything Mm -hmm. and a lot of the time i did and this was me being someone who had really sensitive acne yeah. skin so um yeah. yeah I I kind of kicked the habit of blogging as well not necessarily for that more because I kind of transitioned into a career where yeah. I just kind of felt like I fell out of love with it but yeah those were the
0: days it was it was the uh heady days of the blogger um yeah. yeah being sent lots of products going to lots of press days coming yes. back with bags of stuff was the thing but I guess where I worked in skincare I pretty much was like you cannot use all of these things and I I mean I'm still always sent lots of products and I I have massive uh, like a massive cupboard full of products and yeah I you know I'm, I'm very careful with what I use and put on my skin, but again, one face.
1: And, you know, I I feel like what was so different about you versus a lot of other bloggers was that you came with experience because you were an actual skincare professional when you first started
0: out. Yeah, I mean, that was always key for me. So I came from a point of um, experience, and I know for a lot of people... um, Sort of, we were blogging. It was more, much more about product discovery, and they were telling things from an actual personal point of view how they how they found a product. And I was always obviously had to be very careful because how one person experiences a product is completely different to how another person experiences the product. So we always have to have the caveat that this is very much an individual response. It's not Absolutely. going to be the same for everybody else. And that's where blogging has a double edged sword because if you then you know, develop a following and people start latching on to everything you say and loving the stuff that you do and copying you. Those people who are doing that will quickly find that what you do isn't suitable for them. Um, so that's a double-edged sword. So I was always very careful about that because even being in clinic, what works for one client isn't going to work for another client. Um, and you have to make sure that the advice is tailored, that the advice is bespoke. And I guess I've always kind of carried that on um, in terms of... Um, even how i work now i'm I'm constantly telling people on social um advice has to be bespoke advice has to be tailored if in doubt go and see someone who's going to do and make a prescription just for you not what x is using on on an instagram or anything like that so you know social media is a double-edged sword i love things like instagram and twitter and stuff but honestly at the same time for someone who doesn't know a lot about skincare it can make life very confusing um but my philosophy hasn't changed in the last 10 years it's still the same keep it short keep it simple keep it simple see see a specialist if you're concerned um because that's the best way to get the best advice for your skin
1: yeah because that specialist is naturally going to sit down with you you're going to have a consultation they're going to Mm -hmm. understand your lifestyle habits your health history all of like your concerns whereas As much as I've learned so much through social media, I have definitely fallen victim to trying out products and then having like severe
0: reactions to it. There's a lot of experimentation that happens. I think, I mean, I I just generally think it's a lack of respect for skin. Um, Skin is the biggest organ. And I think, you know, people... It's, I always say if you had a heart problem, you'd go to a heart specialist. But yeah. yet when people have skin problems, they'll look on social or they look online. And and, it's, and I'm just like, give the skin just a little bit more respect. And also it saves you a lot of time. It saves you a lot of money. I know a lot of clients who will come to me and by the time they got to me, they're like, I spent so much money on skincare. And I'm like, well, if you'd come a bit sooner, you probably wouldn't have. <laughs> um, you know, instead of spending all that money um you could have come to see someone and I always say it's always my caveat you don't have to come and see me but yeah. you do have to go and see someone that's right someone, yeah it saves you a lot of heartache it saves you a lot of money it saves you doing all this kitchen what I call kitchen experimentations and you know and and also like people have a a sort of magpie culture oh this is the latest ingredient I should be using this mm. or this is the ingredient and I think as I said in my book uh, when I was talking about ingredients, I was like, there's lots of ingredients you, you can use. There's lots of new and exciting ingredients coming. But I actually focus a lot of my book on classic ingredients that yeah. we have a lot of research about. We have a lot of data. We know how they work. You know, and I said, you know, they, they may not be sexy. I put my hands up. Some <laughs> of the classic ingredients, they're not necessarily sexy. However, they deliver. And we know they deliver. So, that, so I was yeah, I made a conscious decision that I would only focus on those classic ingredients to deliver um, because, you know, we live, everyone wants something new and shiny and skin is actually a lot more simple than people think. We don't need 20,000 products. Nobody does. No, we don't. We
1: don't. And I want to go back to you mentioning going to a skincare professional. I feel like for example comparing the UK to America Americans are so much better about it than we are like when i speak to my american friends and family they're like yeah i'm just going to the dermatologist or i go to my dermatologist unless you're you have like a severe skin disorder you're not going
0: to just be referred to a dermatologist we don't really have that culture here yeah so yeah we definitely don't have a derm culture here unless you have a severe skin disease concern um a lot of our dermatologists especially nhs dermatologists are focused on skin health in terms of skin cancers so a lot of their time is taken up with that so um a, a sort of aesthetic cosmetic um skin issues don't really feature unless it's something like acne or some sort of very specialist you know skin disease so which is where i think that places like advanced therapists and estheticians i think that's where we really hold our ground um because number one it takes at least six months some in some places to get to get an appointment with a dermatologist anyway unless oh yeah. you unless you pay to go private right obviously if you pay to go private you put your cash down you can see a dermatologist tomorrow however how many people are going to pay 250 300 pounds for an appointment which is where aestheticians uh, come in um because also we can help you manage your skin on a long much longer term basis um and, and we can um a lot of dermatologists you know um, as medicals they like to they'll give you a prescription and there's nothing wrong with having a prescription for your tretinoin or whatever but there's a wider issue and we see in western aesthetics my clinic a lot of um a lot of clients who they've been to the dermatologist they've got the prescription however they've got no skin care ah yeah so yeah. they've got none of the knowledge about oh this is going to be very drying to your skin so you're going to need to focus a lot on hydration they don't get any of that no do not go and combine this with i don't know a glycolic acid or something they don't get any of that um, and that's where we, as aestheticians, and you soon will hold that space to hold your client's hand alongside them holding a dermatologist's hand, because we all work in partnership. Um, to provide a 360 service. That's such an interesting point,
1: because I don't think it's one or the other. And I really liked, um, so I'm, I'm a massive audiobook person. So I was listening to the audiobook, it was actually great listening to your voice. And you broke down the different types of professionals quite well. And I really liked that, because you mentioned the differences between the beauty therapist and what they can do versus an esthetician versus a dermatologist, like yourself as an esthetician you're not necessarily qualified to do what a dermatologist would do but also at the same time I think a dermatologist sometimes might not necessarily have like the ground work experience yes. that you might because you're yeah. basically seeing everybody's types of skin
0: yeah. whereas maybe yeah. they might not necessarily have the the privilege no that's very, true. Yeah. That, that, that's very true that's uh, very true like dermatologists as I said they're head of the tree and um, people go there when they've like serious concern um, but if you just like, I've got some spots and I'm not quite sure, I've got blackheads, that's where people like me come into, into force to, to help you sort that out. You, you know, if you had blackheads and you went to dermatologists, I probably would say you had more sense, more money than <laughs> <once>. Um, <laughs> Because I'm like, hey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I think we are getting more into a space where we are much more mindful of our skin, not like our American cousins are. But we are much more mindful of our skin and looking after our skin.
1: Yeah. And speaking of skin and the book, obviously, I've mentioned the book. You've just released Black Skin. What was
0: it like writing it? It wasn't. It was it was there was was different processes. So the first sort of writing that you do is pretty much what I call an an information dump. Um, You literally just download your brain onto paper. Um, I very much wanted the practical elements of the book to be very much like everything I go through a consultation Um, so that was very much set out like a consultation your skin type skin history um, products ingredients treatments that sort of thing that's that's the practical side Um, that's all all the pages that are not pink for example because the pink pages, the history pages so that in itself wasn't you know which is what i go and in day in, day out so that was literally just blah 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 touch that touch that type um the challenging part was more about how you decipher what the public needs what consumer what the average consumer wants to know yeah so um it's and and so therefore you is what i call you slash and simplify so you basically the second edit you're just taking lots of stuff out because there's some things that Yes, you'd know it in your brain, but the consumer doesn't need to know about it. Yeah. Uh, and then you then look at what's left and you go, okay, how can I simplify this? Because again, at the end of the day, I also didn't want people to feel like they needed to have some sort of science degree or medical degree or to be a skin intellectual. Mm. Um, you know, I'm not, I love skin intellectuals. I have a love, love-hate relationship with skin intellectuals <laughs> because a lot of them are my friends. But I'm just like, well, why are you going to make it so complicated? Nobody mm. cares. No, you know? they don't. <laughs> People just wanna be like, what face wash should I be using? That's all people want, like, what serum do you recommend? But once you start going into the encapsulation process, the this, the that, you know, people are just like, I just really wanted to know what serum I should use. Like, Yeah, we don't
1: have time to think about it too
0: much. Exactly. So I was very conscious that I speak in plain English. Like I know people who are, you know, if I say so myself, more qualified than I am, but they speak in such complicated language Someone would rather come and see me and get the basics wow. than see them because they're like, no, no, no I ain't trying to get a headache today. I just, <laughs> I just I just wanted to know what face wash I should use. That's so, it. So, and that's it. And so that process of simplifying is actually quite, not hard, not challenging, but just it takes a lot of thought, yeah. you know, because, you know, you don't want to simplify it so much because I think that's the other um, thing we have at the moment where skincare can be so... Um, dumbed down, you know. Um, people think that there is a solution or an infographic for everything, and I'm like, and I'm the person when you ask me, oh, I've got this, you know. You just ask me on social, I'll be like, well, it depends, because really and truly, it depends. When people ask me, questions, I'm like, so what's going on? What else is going on in your life? What else is going on in your skincare? Because it's and you will learn this when you get to advanced skincare. Nobody, no, it's no, it's never that straightforward. But social has kind of made it. Oh, if you've got spots, salicylic acid. If you want to exfoliate, lactic acid. And it's like, "Mm, it's not that simple. Sometimes there's a little bit more that goes into it. And I always say, look, it depends. It just really depends on a few different factors. So um, I also didn't want to make my book so simplified that it made people think they could just go out there and do whatever. So it's a fine balance. But, but also what was important to me was I wanted therapists to be able to learn from it. I wanted, yes, it's a consumer book. Absolutely. It's a consumer book written in the image of black women. But I wanted therapists. I wanted brand owners. I wanted formulators. I wanted, I wanted the beauty ecosystem to also be able to learn from it. I think one of the problems we have in this industry is that therapists are not confident when it comes to dealing with black skin. They're like so scared and apprehensive. There's so many myths. They've heard all sorts of things. And I really wanted something that would empower therapists to be like, you don't need to be so scared, actually. I These are the that. kind of concerns that black women come with. Um, they're very similar to some of the concerns that white women come with, actually. So it's not, we're not yeah. that different. So I wanted to empower therapists as well. So it was actually quite a fine line. Sometimes it's like, who am I writing for here? Which is why you have, a, a yeah. the, obviously you, listen, you listen to the audience. So that's why you have some of the section.
1: <laughs> yeah, which I loved. <laughs>
0: because that's the sections there was almost like slightly more information yeah. for people who want to know more and the people i had in mind for those sections were therapists and people who work in industry
1: yeah and i like that because you might have a therapist who might not necessarily be so comfortable to work with dark skin and where do you go in that case? If I do want to start taking on um, black clients, if, if I was a white therapist or whoever else is out there who might not necessarily be so, so confident doing so, which resources do I turn to? But with your book, it's, it basically is such a simple resource that it's just there, that it, yeah. it, it is what it is. It literally says black skin and you know yeah. you can go to it directly you've talked about ingredients you've talked about treatments and in those chapters you've talked about the kind of treatments that might not necessarily work so best you've kind of broken down the lasers so maybe a therapist who does work with lasers might say oh well I offer this type of laser but actually Mm -hmm. from for a black client I might not necessarily so so like be so inclined to use that on on darker skin yeah so yeah I really like that it's a resource that can be great for a consumer just as much as it's good for a therapist though as well yeah yeah, yeah that is really well done honestly I really enjoyed it because I, me having kind of going, I'm studying this now, I'm Mm -hmm. so keen to kind of absorb as many resources as possible. As much as I've got great teachers and I'm learning so much, I just still feel that hunger to learn a bit more.
0: Yeah. And And as a therapist, you should. You should every day. It's an absolute learning day and you should. Um, Some of my favorite resources are obviously books, but I love um, some of the American books. I'll just see if I've got any nice yeah obviously i've got my book there i'm just gonna have a quick sure thing look it's one of my favorite books i don't know if you can still get hold of it black skincare black skincare um it's quite old it's from i think it's 80 in the 80s but yeah it's one of my favorite books so like literally google black skincare books is one of the favorite, yeah. favorite things to do and just see what comes yeah. up some of you have to buy from like these really old american libraries i think i got this from like the university of some library in Massachusetts Mm -hmm. or something so Uh yeah so so that um, making sure you go to the trade shows um, and listen in for any specific content regarding darker skin a lot of the trade magazines now write content for darker skin I know this because I participate in some of them yeah Um, also the skin of color society um, there's an American one um so follow them they normally have instagram chats um and and they you can sign up it's always obviously quite late at night because it's over in the states but america has a lot more resources um but also another thing i'd say is making sure you work in the industry so a lot of people obviously finish and they kind of want to become Boss ladies, run their own business and all that, which is great. I did that. I did that on the sideline whilst I worked in salon when yeah. I first qualified. So making sure you work in this in a, in a salon that's got a wide breadth of clients is always important yeah. um, to help you gain that confidence alongside having the backing of other more experienced therapists. um That is the best way to go. And also, I say if you see someone who really specializes in darker skin tones, or even in, a, in an area that you are particularly interested in, like you might be interested in laser. If you see someone in that area, approach them and ask them to shadow them, work experience, whatever, um, be their clinical assistant. That's how you gain the knowledge and experience you want. Definitely. I love that. I'm sure that there are people who would be open to, to
1: teaching you, to helping you kind of work behind them and to just kind of gain their experience. Because um something I hear a lot is that it's all about the hours that you put in as well. So yeah. where you're studying and you're learning so much, the hours that you gain are going to be invaluable because you're going to learn about all the different types of skin. You're going to understand you're Mm -hmm. going to basically be able to refer back to previous clients that you've had. And and each client, I guess is different as well. So you're able to just kind of learn
0: with each client as well, which is great. Yeah, absolutely. Every single client will teach you something. That's why on Saturdays on my Instagram, when I'm in clinic, I always do like a Saturday clinic roundup. Like what have we learned this week from our clients? Like one of my therapists now is training and she's doing consultation training. I would say to her, after each consultation, I need you to write me three points. What went well? What didn't go well? constantly review what you're doing you know so that you and again that's how you learn because you repeat the good things and you improve the things that didn't go well um so absolutely review all the time be on the constant review definitely
1: you have a breadth of experience that's basically led you to writing this book. You've also got the black skin directory, Mm -hmm. but yeah. What were the kind of the foundations to that led you to that?
0: I guess. Wow. Foundations. Um, For me, education has underpinned everything I've done and continues to underpin everything I do. That's my absolute foundation. Um, making sure I'm, again, that learning thing, making sure I'm learning from as many clients as possible. You know, over 10 years in, I still review. I still have my notebook and I'll write what went well, what I didn't like about that treatment. Maintaining um, a curiosity all the time. I still go to trade, trade shows. There's always something new to learn. So for me, my foundation is predominantly education, not just education about beauty and skin and all that, but also education about business um at the end of the day even if you are working for somebody else in clinics it's somebody else's name above the door you are still a business you still because people are still going to be like i want to book in on hafsa so hafsa is running this little mini business in somebody else's business um so that's important so learning how you market yourself how you present yourself how you how you speak and i don't mean you need to speak with the plum in your mouth but you do need to Um, be able to communicate well that's what I mean by how you speak how you communicate to your clientele so that's important not just the you know because you can be the best therapist but if you have no clue about business then it's not going to work even when you work for someone else because a lot of people think well, it's not my name above the door. It's not my problem. So I'm just sat here twiddling my thumbs all day. Mm. Then you're not learning anything. Then you're not putting in the app. No. So what you need to be doing is, make, is running your own one-man business and someone else's business and building your brand. I say to all my staff, build your brand. It doesn't matter that you work for yeah. me. Build your brand so that people want to book in with you, right? They come to see you. You can get experience, yeah. right? So I always say that. So, I guess to me, defining moments have been things like when I opened up Westroom um, last year, that was a defining moment because I'd, I'd always worked um, either in salon or I'd rented like a room somewhere. So, for me, having opened up a proper clinic space that was beautifully designed, but very welcoming, not very clinical, but still kind of like Mikasa Sukasa kind of vibe. Um, that was a defining point for me Um, employing staff you know was a defining point for me because obviously you'd only ever been responsible for yourself and then now you know you've got other staff but it wasn't just about employing them it's about nurturing actually it's about taking on the next generation of therapists Um, that was a key point because I'm well aware that working for me means that everyone this was it's actually funny people say this to me about my staff they're like when your staff leave because all staff will leave at some point yeah they're going to be amazing therapists and amazing mm-hmm. receptionists somewhere else because they're well grounded in skincare not just for black skin but for everybody for because because yeah. even though we are known as a skincare destination for black women we have a wide variety of clients we have a sizable percentage of non-black clients as well um so that was a defining point for me that making that investment in the next set of therapists massive massive I take massive pride in that um but also my my book this is a massive source of joy pride I have enjoyed and loved just seeing everyone's reactions because obviously I sat on it for so long just me and my editor just banging away nobody knew um, so the fact that It's brought so many people joy and you get all this feedback about it. Um, You know, that is a, you know, three, I'd say three clear defining points.
1: The thing that I can kind of sense that all these things have in common is the impact, the impact on your employees, the impact on Mm -hmm. readers, the impact on clients, you know, that ultimately what you're doing is you're impacting people. And with skin, what you're doing is helping others feel confident, you're making people feel empowered. Like skin has such a deeper thing than it just being skin. I mean, skin is a visual thing, it's external, but it also is internal. Mm -hmm. And in your book, you briefly mentioned um, the connection between mental health and skin. And Mm -hmm. I know that all too well, like I've, um, I mean, my skin is definitely under control now, but especially in my earlier years, like in my early twenties, I kind of noticed like whether it was congested or acne Mm -hmm. or whatever, if I was going through really bad breakouts, my mental health was like down the drain and I've also seen that with people that I know who have eczema or whatever that Mm -hmm. you just notice they kind of feel lower in mood if their skin isn't necessarily in the best kind of condition and also the opposite when my skin is glowing when my skin's on point I feel confident I feel amazing you know it's not just a surface thing it's
0: actually no not not at all not not at all In, in my experience it's it's very much linked to your mental health, it's linked to your self-esteem, it's linked to confidence. It's, because um, skin is very visual, especially the skin on your face is what we present to the world. And it's how the world interacts with us. It, it's very much linked to our idea and concepts of happiness. Um, but one thing I do always encourage, I always encourage, I always do real talk and I'm like, we need to take a realistic view. Um, you know skin there's no such thing as perfect skin yeah. um skin is always on the move it's like you can see like now I've got shiny bits where oil is coming through my makeup it's glowing um, <laughs> well you can call it glow but we, we have to be realistic as well a lot of people I find have the most unrealistic views of their skin and it's almost like they want like a flat sheet of paper it and has I'm to like, be poreless
1: oh. Yeah,
0: it has to be poreless, it has to be flawless, it has to be this, it has to be that. And I'm like, number one, by the very nature of having black skin, you're gonna have dark marks on your skin from time to time. Let's just get real. You know, let's get real. It's about encouraging people to see that realness of their skin and therefore knowing that there are some days where your skin is taking a beating, depending on what's going on in your life. I there's a picture of me after um, it was last year, I just Almost finished writing my book, um, and I looked grey. Like I looked grey, <laughs> and I was really stressed. I was really tired. I was snapping at everyone, and I just my skin just looked so grey and ashy and tired. Yeah, I was. Life was beating me down. Still, in the back of my head, I was like, you know what? I'm going through something right now. It's it's not it's not that big a deal. I'll fix up my skin later. Um, but there are people who will take that too heart, and yeah expect so much of their skin that's what i always say to people it depends what else is going in your life are you in a really stressful job are you sleeping well are you eating well because i can give you all the skincare in the world absolutely but if you are consuming a bottle of wine every night because you're really stressed about your job and you're working 14 hours a day there's no amount of skincare i can give you right yeah. Yeah. this is a more mental i've had clients who i've, I've said to um I Think we need to see someone, not me, but we need to see someone else who's gonna <laughs> who's gonna sit down with you um and, and talk to you about mental health. Um, I know that before before lockdown and stuff, we used to have these things called skin plus evenings. So, skin plus meaning the plus could be for anything plus this meaning something else that impacts your skin. So sometimes we'd have mental health chats sometimes with, with a qualified mental health professional. Sometimes it might be personal training, sometimes about nutrition, nice. but it just, because so many things impact your skin and it's important to have a very realistic view of that. Um, magazines and all that prevent, pre- present a very idealistic image. Um, and I think that sometimes I feel like we put too much emphasis on, magazine imagery I have always looked at magazines as escapism as aspirational when I close a when I open a magazine I'm like oh wow look at the clothes look at the handbags the shoes oh my god she's so pretty blah blah but once I close it I'm gone it's not representative of real life yeah exactly I am back in the real world once I've closed it I put it down to one side I'm back in the real world but I have to say for a lot of people it's not like that those images linger in their heads And they want to achieve that. And that's always a red flag. The minute someone comes into my clinic space and they're like, do you know that Beyonce skin? I'm just like, "Mm, red flag. Yeah, red flag. Red flag right
1: there, (laughs) right
0: there, red flag. This is not going to go down well.
1: (laughs) It's about managing expectations because I keep making reference to the book, but you basically say in the book that, You have to move with your skin. Your skin moves. Honestly, there are days where my skin is as best as it can be for a while. Let's say for two weeks, my skin hardly has any breakouts. And then you like your period is due, or like you said, you're stressed out, or you necessarily haven't been getting the best sleep. And then it's just I don't know. Sometimes your skin might just have a couple of pimples on the chin or whatever. It's It's a living breathing organ and yeah. there's only so much you can achieve with your skin. it's yeah. it's living it's not going yeah it's,
0: it's literally wear and tear but our expectations a lot of people's expectations of their skin is so high. Um, and my, my constant counsel is be realistic. Realism, realism, realism. Um, and I always say, I think I said it in the book, and like what you can't fix, you just cover up, just just that's why we have concealers and we have yes. makeup and all that kind of stuff. Yeah,
1: um,
0: and because those are all tools that help you put a pep in your step as well. Yeah. Um, but where a lot of people, are, I don't want to wear any makeup at all. I just want my skin to be absolutely flawless and I'm like you're putting a lot of stress on yourself it's because too much, that, yeah. it's too much life's, life's short you need to get on and enjoy it
1: I know that for me there's only so much I can do for example about hyperpigmentation so I have a bit of pigmentation on my cheeks
0: that's mm-hmm. from acne
1: over the years I can address the acne. I can. I use products to kind of help um, reduce the hyperpigmentation. But I know, and I've been told that I need a peel soon, Mm -hmm. basically. But at Mm -hmm. the moment, it's not in my priority to get a peel. So what do I do in the meantime? I just put a bit of concealer on, and it's gone. It's it's fine. It's not a massive issue. I just know that later on down the line, I'll probably need a peel, and that's going to address the hyperpigmentation. So yeah, I just know that I'm way of licking it. Yeah, I just know that that's not in my immediate priority I have other skin priorities right now so how can my skin look as best as it can given the time that I have I don't necessarily have yeah. downtime
0: for a peel maybe later mm-hmm. on I will and then I'll I mean I it think on. it depends what kind of peel you're having not all peels need downtime um and again you know I'd, I'd I'd counsel you to say that sometimes you need more than one sometimes you need three or four peels it yeah. just depends there's a whole Um, I mean, you could write a whole book on peels themselves because so many (laughs) different skin peels available, skincare treatments in that vein available. But yeah, not all peels will have downtime. We we specialize, actually. It's funny you mentioned that because in Western majority of our peels are no downtime because we find that a a lot of our clientele want to get back to work, want to get back to living and life and going out and all that. So. A lot of our peels have very little downtime or no downtime at all. And and there's ways of avoiding lots of downtime, which are down to the aftercare. Um, If you flood the skin with moisture post-peel, you hold the peeling skin together. So for a lot of our treatments is when you go to wash your face, that's when you see a lot more of the peeling happening. But during the day, so long as you don't let the skin get dry, you're not going to need downtime because the, the moisturizers are holding the skin together.
1: That's really cool. See, that is actually a beauty myth that needs addressing. That you're going to shed like a snake. You're going to have
0: so much yeah, downtime. People you know, like that. So you know, some people love that Instagram. Oh, my skin is yeah peeling. And when I look at it, I'm like, your skin is just dry, love. You need to put <laughs> moisturizer on. <laughs> you need to get a spritz. Spritz ah. that up. Put moisturizer on. Hold the skin together because. You get a more even peel when the skin is hydrated. If the skin is not hydrated, you get an uneven peel. So when I see those sort of dry, flaky looks on Insta, I'm always like, let's spritz that up. Let's put emollient on because that holds everything in place. Really, I prefer my technique is that when you go to wash your face at night, you'll see a lot of skin in the sink, but you won't see it during the day. I do not like that. That is not my preferred look unless of course we're going for what I call a deep peel yeah. and then you would prep for it and I would be like you need to take a week off work or whatever but yeah. most people the average woman have sir just wants to have it and get on with their life
1: I bet there are a lot of other things that kind of make you go no honey that's not great on social media I bet you kind of see yeah. things and you're
0: like no <laughs> what, are, what are those kind of things that you would say kind of gripe of of I guess when I see things like you know black women shouldn't use glycolic acid yes or, I've heard that or, or even just today was some sunscreen issue and someone tagged me in it and I just said I just not replied them I said you know what babe there's different schools of thoughts I'm in the school of thought that says everybody should wear sunscreen but we're not gonna convince everybody about that. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather just not get into an Instagram spat over it. Yeah. So that when they when people come out with blanket rules about skincare and I'm like, who told you that though? Like, <laughs> like who? And sometimes I'm like sat there with my phone and I'm like, is it worth the conversation most of the times 99% of the time I just exit conversation I don't get involved people tag me and stuff I'm like you know what I'm sat here chilling with my husband and my kids I haven't got time if you want my opinion come and see me at Westroom if you want my opinion yeah other than that I'm not going to get into a worldwide you know argument with people it's not worth it but there are so many times I'll especially when you see when I see therapists doing fillers and injectables I'm like who gave you the qualification for that yeah, I think
1: there's a lot of um, ethics involved in that. I've definitely yeah. seen that where um, I've not ventured into that world yet. I know people who get fillers and a lot of them have told me, at least most of the people that have told me they've had, they, they basically go to a doctor. And I remember yeah. someone saying to me, "Have to say, if you ever want to go and get fillers one day, you have to go to a doctor.
0: Yeah, I wrote that in my book several times. You yeah. must go and see if they don't have a med- a, doc- a medical degree that you can check on the gmc or gdc register for dentists because dentists can do injectables as well if they're not a nurse and you can't you can check them there must be a prescribing nurse on the nmc register then forget it do not let cowboys attack your face that really gripes me what uh, what gripes me as well as people who think they're qualified they have what we call standard there are beauty qualifications which are recognized and then yeah. there's this CPD one-day courses so you have people who go on like a one-day CPD chemical peeling course and I'm like you are not qualified and they're like yes I am I'm like you know what I'm not gonna argue with you you're not yeah um, so those are not standard qualifications you know I work with I you know I'm, I'm a trustee for beauty backed um and we you know we give out grants and stuff and so people will apply for grants and We will ask for to see the qualifications and the amount. I mean, I think we're going to do some work around this. But the amount of people that are like show us these one day certificates and we're like, you're not qualified, and they're like, yes, I am. But the good thing is we then support them to get the proper qualification. That's so
2: interesting.
0: But so many people would be like, why? And they're like, I paid four hundred pounds for this course. I'm like, it doesn't matter how much you paid, love. It's not worth the papers written on. So you're not qualified. So there's a lot of misconceptions around as well around people's qualifications, which me mean you have people saying all sorts on social. They don't disclaim like to, to put caveats in and too many blanket stuff. And and I'm like, it as again, it's not that simple. I always say it's not that simple. It yeah. depends. We can't have all these blanket rules. It it doesn't serve anyone.
1: Yeah, and it's so interesting because I'm I'm, I'm assuming that the day-to-day consumer who wants to go and get a beauty treatment whether it's a facial whether it's a filler they might not necessarily be so equipped in terms of like like the 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 day qualification courses and things yeah I'm sure that there are people out there that probably didn't know that you're not necessarily qualified if you do these courses yeah I mean
0: loads of people don't which is interesting to know that even the therapists they think because again appearances mean a lot right they've rocked up somewhere they've paid money they look the part, the people doing it, look the part, they look the business. Nobody does this knowing that they're not going to get proper qualification. Of course, they believe they're getting a proper yeah. qualification. So obviously we are, that's why we're like, you know what, we'll support you in getting the full qualification because what it is is that for a lot of consumers, they've seen their friend go and get these fillers from this beauty cl- place Well, oh, it looks good. And they're like, I'll go and get the same. When, you get a complication right a complication happens and you can end up with tissue necrosis where the tissue dies and you lose yes, I've seen your before. lip and all that yeah that therapist can't solve that because what you need to stop to, to remove the filler from the lips, to basically dissolve the filler the therapist isn't going to have because that's a medical product
1: yeah yeah so
0: then you have to go to a and e Right, which then puts pressure on the NHS. And apparently, I heard, I don't know how true this is, but not all AEs carry it either. Wow. So that becomes a problem in itself. So I always say, yes, they could have done 100 fillers and it was all fine, but do you want to be the 101st person? So I'm with us on like, Be careful out there, consumers. Be very, very careful. If in doubt, you know, you only have one lip, one face, one nose, and all that. I would say, so I would just say this. It is not for sale. You cannot go and buy a new face. No,
1: you can't. can't. I I remember saying that to a friend of mine a while ago. So she um, usually gets like injectables and stuff. And she was kind of complaining to me about how far away her doctor is. And -hmm. she was like, it's so far for me to go to. Should I just find someone closer? And I was like, well, if she's done an amazing job on you so far, it doesn't matter how far they are. Just go to them.
0: It's really good advice because also, when you've been working with a particular practitioner for a while, they get to know you, they know your skin, they know your face, they know your muscle structure. It's really, really important. And, and again, like with us in clinic, I can tell, like when we get new treatments in, immediately in my head, I'm like, this is going to work for so-and-so. Not that person though. Not the, yes. you know. I know instantly because I got to know them. I know their skin. I know their routine. Because you also have to develop a relationship with a person who's treating you. A lot of people are yep. hopping this person that person oh i heard this person was good i'll go there i heard that person was good i go there. i always say to people if you're not looking to develop a long term relationship with me then or with my clinic it probably we may not be the best place for you um because we need the time to get to know you to know your skin and all that sort of stuff there's some clients i know straight up glycolic acid peels do not work for them they yeah. just don't i knew that straight i know some clients they prefer like a retinol peel I know that straight up but you don't know that on the first meeting you no. need to develop a relationship
1: the relationship is is key and yeah. you mentioned people kind of hopping between places to places you've done the black skin directory and it's a great mm-hmm. resource for people to know where to go to um mm-hmm. what led you to to wanting to create a resource like that
0: and black skin knowledge is two things so it's a knowledge bank um at the time and still to a certain extent I feel like a lot of the media that we have and, and, and uh, information sources that we have don't really pull out very much the nuance of black skin and how different things impact on black skin. So I wanted to write, or oh, I wanted us to write as a team, um, content that focus specifically on black skin so that people can have that to hand as a resource. I know people who take, who go to their doctors, and open up the website and be like, yeah, you know, especially when the doctors has been like, no, that's not a thing. They're like, no, 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 it's here. I can see it here. Likewise, I know doctors and GPs who refer patients to black skin Directory to look at for more information. So it works both ways. So number one, that knowledge I wanted to really have. And um, also when I had clients, this is when I was still based in Kensington and I had clients coming to see me from Birmingham, Bournemouth, and I was just like, hey, hold up one sec you Mm. want to tell me that you don't have anyone close to you to see? I mean, I appreciate you coming. Absolutely. My pocket appreciates you coming. (laughs) However, do you want to tell me that you have no no one close to you you can go to? And that inspired me because I was like, there must be there. I know there are other places, therapists and all that sort of stuff. I know that they are because I go to people who are not black and they look after me very well. So when Black yeah. Skinner Actually first started, actually it, the first, the first, I said the first generation of clinics were all places I knew quite well because it's places I'd been to. So I wanted to create this resource for people to be able to find clinics, and even now people will like email, like they might email me to DJ Dele and, and they'll say, you know, I'm looking for a dermatologist and my team will direct them to Black Skin Directory. Go and look on Black Skin Directory. You'll find something and someone that it was mainly, and, and it's so funny because I'm not listed on Black Skin Directory even though it's my resource. So I agree. Interesting. I'm not yeah. listed on it because it's, this was all, it was never about me. It was mm. always about making the service available for other people. So yeah, that's that. It, it, again, I just wanted to make, and I still want to, make life easy, easier for the black consumer when it comes to aesthetics and and beauty.
1: I think with everything you've done, you've made it that much easier for people. Like seriously, credit to you, Deja, because (laughs) when I was just listening to the book, I was just like, wow, where was was all of this stuff when I was younger? Where was all of this Mm -hmm. stuff for Mm -hmm. people like my mum? Because she's gone to laser hair removal people who've burnt her skin before, but if she knew that this type of laser, Yeah. yeah like yeah. stuff like that like yeah. now is 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 so it's like honestly you've you've created something that people are going to benefit from so
0: seriously. I hope so I hope so it was a pleasure and it always is a pleasure I mean like I I see, I was talking to one of my team members saying she was like you're always on I'm like because it's it's never a big deal it's my work but it's my life as well yeah so yeah you don't switch off from your life do you you just keep on you just keep on going and yeah I, enjoy <laughs> it. I completely enjoy it like I say when people send me messages and they're like oh my god I found lasting directory I went to see this person or the information on there was really helpful I took it to my doctor blah 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 or when GPs and you know and I'm always I have a lot of friends who are GPs on social and in real life and and you know I'm always and I'm like I haven't even started yet that's the funny part. I'm like, wow. So <laughs> I'm not that we have so many more plans for Black Sea and because obviously when Black Sea and RH was set up, I, I was pregnant with my son. Yeah. Um, so it's the same age as my son and, you know, we still have so many more things that we're doing with it, um, over the course of the next few years. So i was like, oh God, wait till you see it in like two I years. Mean, time. I'm excited yeah. to see what's to come because if you haven't started yet, <laughs> and already you've done so much we're come just, on like, we've been coasting it we've been coasting it because young child I've got a young family um obviously I was writing a book Western aesthetics the clinic pandemic all those sort of things I was just oh, like yeah. no we haven't started we, we we just we just set the scene
1: <laughs> what do you do then in that case because if you're so on what do you do to look after yourself because I'm sure there are people listening who've got their own businesses they've got loads of different side projects they've got loads of different things that are going on but they're probably wondering how on earth do I look after myself
0: in the middle? I of take that? chunks of time out. So for example, um, at Christmas, I take a month off so I can come back nice. in year, slip back in. I've got children in school. So generally when my children are in school and they have breaks from school, it forces me to take time out. Yeah, um, I'll just work at a slower pace. I work every single day. I do not some days I'm working a full day, some day I'm working like half an hour in the morning, yeah. but I work every single day. Um, it helps when obviously you absolutely love what you do. So therefore it's not a chore in any way, shape or form. Um, I, d- I listen to a lot of um, audio books, um, like non-work non, non, non work related, non-business, just fiction. Um, I do that. Um, I, I PT a lot. So I go to the gym. Um, that's my sort of stress relief. Um, I sleep when I can. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I have, I wouldn't say I'm the most model person to, to, to <laughs> follow, um, but I'm completely immersed. My, my work and my life are one and the same thing. But um, before pandemic, obviously, I'd take, like, one thing I treat myself to is amazing holidays. I don't yeah. scrim for my holidays. I'm, like, always on a beach cocktails five star all the time nice good <laughs> I don't, but lately obviously the last two years I haven't done any of nice. that um I don't think I don't think many people have but it's life. again I've had a very realistic view of it it's life we will holiday when the time comes yeah. um but yeah I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to my month off yeah and then my yeah. final
1: question is where can everyone find you Deja your clinic everything else that you
0: do shout
1: it from the yeah. rooftops.
0: So um I'm dijayadele.com and on my website, my website is my home planet. So on via that website, you can find information on the book, you can find information on the clinic, um, you can find information on black skin directory. Both obviously my clinic and black skin directory have their own separate websites, western blackskindirectory.com. Um, and you can obviously go to both of them. Same thing on Instagram, DJ DJ underscore but also. Western Aesthetics has Instagram, Black Skin Narratory has Instagram. So those are the main places you can find me. My book is available everywhere. So it's available, um, Waterstones, W.H. Smith, um, Foils. It's available online, Amazon, W.H. Smith. It's also available at um, the smaller independent stores as well, which is great. That was very important for me for small independent stores. It's also available at Tesco. Nice. Yes, you go on and shop
1: and then get the book yeah. as well.
0: We have a global release. So it'll be out in South Africa in January or in January 22. And then it'll be out in America, um, Canada, Australia, New Zealand in spring 2022 nice. as well. So it's Amazing. obviously it's available. An audiobook, ebook, is all there.
1: Yeah. I would also recommend everyone to follow your Instagram page that you just mentioned, your personal one, because you do these yeah. really cool analysis of the papers which I really like
0: yes uh, on Sundays like yeah
1: and stuff like that and I read it and I'm like oh my god her insights are priceless like <laughs>
0: look forward to it I look forward to it yeah I'll do oh that's so good to know because yeah um I I love it and I think um you know business is something I'm very passionate about money and money empowerment is something an yeah. actually empowerment especially of the black community is something I'm very passionate about and one of the ways we do that is by knowledge yeah. um, I know a lot of people who started reading the FT because I read the FT on Sundays just because they're like oh my god you break it down I, I used to think that paper was really inaccessible to me and all that and I'm like You know, and I and I break it down and I and I and I like to pick stories that are topical and just pass my own comment on them, my own views on them. So yeah, more of that to come. Obviously I've not been able to last last few weeks. I've
1: noticed that actually.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You can always tell when I'm busy, is when none of that gets done. that's
1: when you know I'm busy well no I hope you take care of yourself in the meantime so we can get that analysis eventually but no thank you so much for for joining me DJ. honestly it's been such a pleasure catching up with you and hearing everything you've done honestly
0: it's so inspiring seeing you like thank you thank you such a pleasure as well um because obviously I haven't spoken to you probably in ages and then um, when you sent me a message I was like yeah absolutely that is no problem at all it's just for me I was like it would just be nice to catch up with Hafsa and see how she's doing